0: You're listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, episode 111.
1: The Canadian immigration process can be complex and frustrating. With the Canadian Immigration Department making it virtually impossible to speak to an officer there are a few places to turn to for trusted information. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest on immigration law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthe, as he is joined by industry leaders across Canada, sharing insight to help you along your way.
0: Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I am here in the lovely province of Alberta. I'm located in Lethbridge and my guest, Igor, is up in Calgary. How are you doing, Igor?
2: I'm doing great, Mark. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. So in episode 110, we talked about the good, the bad and the ugly of Coet. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into this episode and we're going to talk about the four biggest problems with the Coet program itself. And uh, Igor, maybe for those who are maybe jumping on as a, uh, maybe they didn't watch or listen to episode 110, can you give a little bit of an overview about QUET quickly, what it is?
2: Yeah, so QUET is Canada-Ukraine Authorization for Emergency Travel. It's a combination of visitor visa with the open work permit program.
0: And so essentially, the barriers to, uh, to actually qualifying and being able to participate in the program were very low. And so pretty much anyone that met the initial threshold was able to go through. And obviously, when you have a program that's kind of rough and tumble like that, where there wasn't a lot of time to really think through everything, and let's face it, there was a huge political motivation behind it as well, um, it's created some problems. And uh, this is what we're going to talk about today, some of these top four challenges Um, well, why don't we, why don't we jump into the very, very first one in terms of medicals?
2: Yeah. So when they designed Kuwait, because they wanted to allow as many people as possible really quick, they wanted to simplify the process as much as possible. And because tons of Ukrainians were filing applications all at the same time, they wanted to process those people fast and to minimize the requirements remove the barriers such as the necessity to have a medical exam. So how it was structured you apply for a visitor visa through COE program, you apply for a work permit within the same application and then once you arrive into Canada they would, they would give you 90 days to complete the medical exam once you already in Canada. So the problem that arose with this decision is that many many people who were otherwise inadmissible eventually landed in canada with hopes to build a future in this country but many of them don't realize that they are inadmissible and that it's one thing to come into canada under kuwait program but it's a totally different problem staying in canada as a permanent resident many of those people who came under kuwait they don't have a shot of staying in Canada unless they can overcome this medical inadmissibility issue.
0: And just to explain things a little bit more clearly to everyone, Ukraine has always been a country where immigration medical exams have been a requirement. And usually Canada requires these from countries where there might be higher incidences of communicable diseases, like tuberculosis or things like that. And so when individuals come and they arrive at the port of entry and they're given instructions... <clears throat> Igor, what kind of follow up does IRC do if they actually don't go through and do the medical in ninety days?
2: There is no follow up. That's another so, challenge.
0: So I think we've had some people that have maybe not been as diligent in getting their medicals done, right? And uh, yeah, the, like the the follow up is is somewhat questionable.
2: Yeah, there are people who are motivated to do medical exams because they come here with aspiration of staying in Canada as permanent residents. Those are motivated to do medical exams right away without any delays. There are people who want to work in medical sphere or with childcare or with food production. Those people definitely go and do the medical exams. But there are some people who are not even interested in this. Um, They are not working in any of those areas not with food, not with children, not with medical system. So they just don't care, especially in light of RCC not following up and actually checking if people did the medical exam.
0: Yeah, and often the medical, if it does come up, it's it's on renewal when someone goes to renew their work permit. In this case, these work permits are often issued for up to three years. So that's one Problem, I guess, problem number one with the program. And now we didn't talk about medical inadmissibility generally because temporary and permanent, you know, when it comes to assessing excessive demand versus, you know, health and safety, those are two separate discussions. And sometimes an individual may not be inadmissible for the purposes of temporary residence, but for permanent residence, they might be. And so those issues could come up later when, you know, if someone actually does have a a condition that would cause excessive demand on Canadian health or social services. And those would come up at the permanent stage. Um, but, but going forward, just, to, you know, we're just talking about the temporary side. This is, this is one of the problems. Okay. Let's jump to number two. Now to be eligible to go through the program, you have to be a Ukrainian citizen and be able to prove it. Right. But you didn't actually need to be physically present in Ukraine, you know, immediately, preceding the time in which you filed for the application. So what are some of the problems associated with this?
2: Yeah. So for Kuwait program, there was no requirement to be physically in Ukraine on the date when the full scale invasion started. So it is understandable because they wanted to open this program also to those Ukrainians who, for example, went abroad for a short visit to visit their family or went abroad for a vacation to, let's say, Egypt. Um, Those people, it would be unfair to them if they were excluded from this program just because of the fact that they happened to be abroad when Russia attacked. But this also resulted in another problem. Many Ukrainians have been living abroad for years, and some have been abroad for decades. Some Ukrainians were even living in Russia or occupied Crimea, Donetsk or Luhansk oblast and they might have had pro-Russian political views. Some even accepted Russian and DPR and LPR passports.
0: Maybe you can just explain that, Igor. What's DPR and LPR passports?
2: Yeah, DPR and LPR is just an, an acronym for mm-hmm. so-called Donetsk People's Republic and Luhansk People's Republic. So, and for those so,
0: who are un you know educated when it comes to this type of stuff, can you can you explain? Just give us a little bit of background about why this you know, with those occupied Crimea and these other areas, why is that of concern?
2: It is of concern because many people think that the war between Ukraine and Russia started in 2022. But in fact, it started back in 2014. It's just that the intensity of the warfare wasn't as grave as on February 24th, 2022. And so Russia used its armed forces to enter Crimea, occupied the peninsula, and then held a bogus referendum. It, it was not even a referendum that was legitimate under Ukrainian um, legislation. It was a referendum where people were forced to vote in a certain way and were scared not to vote. The same happened with Luhansk and Donetsk. Those territories were heavily controlled by Russian occupying forces. And so people didn't have much choice whether they want to oppose the new regime. They just had to vote, you know. And so there are some people who were frightened to go against the regime. And there are some people who were fully supporting the new occupying regime. And so the the major concern is that for those people who had pro-Russian positions, they immigrated to Russia or they stayed in Crimea and Donetsk and disregarded Ukraine. They didn't see themselves as Ukrainian nationals, only they started seeing themselves as such when the program opened. So we had an incident here in Alberta last summer when a group of hikers went on top of Mount Imnuska they encountered a person who was aggressive towards them because they exposed Ukrainian flag. And so he came up and said that this is a terrorist flag and I don't support Ukraine and I'm from Donetsk. And so he was not only aggressive, he was pushing people, poking people. And so there was a huge, huge uh, unrest in Facebook community among Ukrainians trying to identify how did they get to Canada if they're so anti-Ukraine. How did they come to Canada? Did they just use the Qt program just to get the visa and use their passport just to take benefit of this whole program? So Canada might invite not only Ukrainians who try to escape the war, but might also welcome tons of people who actually pro-war.
0: That's That's an interesting take, definitely not one that anyone is talking about at this stage. And it's interesting when you look at these challenges with quitt, obviously, the goal was to make sure that no one was left behind that legitimately needed <clears throat> help and, uh, and, you know, a safe place to go. And so when you think—I uh, I, I liken this to some extent to, to criminal law, where we're, we're taught in law school that it's better that, you know, 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man is convicted— and, uh, you know, to some extent, I guess that's the same principle applies here. The goal is to try to help as many people as possible, not exclude someone that need, needed assistance. And in the process of doing so, you could get individuals that, you know, were able to benefit from the program that, you know, for which it was really not intended to extend support and, and you know, assistance. So.
2: I also get tons of females on Facebook from Ukrainian nationals and they like, we live in Norway. For the last 10 years and now we want to come to canada or we live in poland for the last 15 years my child is a polish citizen my child is like five years old he has never been to ukraine can he come over with me those are the questions that put some doubt whether this program was designed correctly in the first place
0: mm-hmm. now just to give the listeners a little bit of an update um we talked about this last episode the statistics but we're closing in on almost a million applications, are we not, for this Kuwait visa? And yeah. uh, like you've identified, individuals will be coming. All, the, all that's required is that you can prove you're uh, a citizen of Ukraine. But it's it also extended to, and this is potentially our our third problem. And you know, there there's, I guess, it, it's hard to describe it as being a problem, but there are problematic issues that are associated with this, uh, and it's extending to uh, family members of Ukraine nationals. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so the program allows entry to Canada, not only to the citizens of Ukraine, but also that there are family members, which are children, spouses, and common law partners. And again, this is an understandable design measure. They wanted to open this program to everyone they wanted to make sure that they don't exclude family members of Ukrainian nationals so let's say I have a friend who's a Nigerian citizen and he is a father to three children um, and he was living in Ukraine for the last 10 years as a permanent resident and his wife is Ukrainian so that would be unfair to exclude him as a father of Ukrainian children and not allow him to come to Canada And his wife would definitely not benefit from this whole measure if her husband would not come with her. So this is an understandable design of the program. But it opens the door for lots of problems. It opens the door to fraud. And we know of instances where Ukrainians get married for a fee. Um, Marriage of convenience, they uh, fake common law relationship for money. And this actually resulted in the recent storm in the RCC processing the applications where lots of foreign nationals who were claiming common law relationships with Ukrainian nationals, all of a sudden they started getting procedural fairness letters because RCC suddenly became aware that, hey, this is a room for a very, very big fraud.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, and this is not, uh, it's not surprising, right? It doesn't matter if it's Ukraine nationals through the Quet program or, you know, or, or citizens of any, you know, other country where there's an opportunity to come to Canada and the situation you're in is not great in your country. People are going to be willing to do whatever it takes at times to actually come and uh, through whatever means and marriages of convenience, you know, the, the fake common law relationships, those are all... Um, target areas, no matter what the application type is. So it's not surprising, finally, that they're trying to curtail this. And I think they drastically underestimated the number of applicants that would be coming through the program. And now they're trying to do the best they can to to correct some of those problem areas that were, um, I guess, unintentionally created through the speed at which the program was released. Okay, that's so we've got that as a challenge. The last one is the handouts, the money that's being given. And uh, talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So because lots of Ukrainians never expected to go to Canada in the foreseeable future, and it was unexpected that Russia would attack, people did not have money even to buy flight tickets to Canada, not to say the money to establish themselves in Canada upon arrival. So what Canadian government did, they allowed a 3001 one-time payment uh, to all Ukrainians, to all adults, and $1,500 for a minor child. So all you have to do is you have to come to Canada, get your social insurance number, open your bank account, and then you apply online to get this one-time payment. It can be done within a day. So this opens a room for fraud and scam again. So, How how
0: long does it take, Igor, for the money to actually be uh, received?
2: Yeah. From my experience, my family members who came to Canada, they got their money in two or three days. Um, You would spend one day just getting your social insurance number and opening the bank account. That same night, you can fill out the application and you can get your money in two days. So this created an opportunity for some people to come over to Canada, let's say for a couple of weeks, Uh, to visit Banff, Canmore, explore the Rockies, you know, or just visit their friends, apply for $3,000, and then hop on a plane and fly back to Europe, where they used to live for the last 10 years. They don't even fly to Ukraine. They fly to their permanent residence in, let's say, Poland or Germany, but with $3,000 in their pocket. Even if the flight tickets would cost you $2,000, and the time that you spend in Canada would cost you $1,000 for food or accommodation, your vacation is paid off by those $3,000. And if you come as a family, you can even earn some money. And so lots of people understand the scheme and they take the full advantage of this gap. There are rumors of tourist agencies in Ukraine who are selling hot deals. You know, you get the tour to Canada for no cost to you. So basically, the company would sell a tour to you for $3,000, you come to Canada, you apply for 3K, you fly back, and you have your whole trip paid off.
0: All right, before we wrap this up, Igor, we're going to dive in a little bit further. Let's take a little break for our sponsor. Journey Business Plans is the leading immigration business plan writing service provider in Canada. With more than 10 years of experience, Journey has grown to become a trusted partner for immigration consultants and lawyers. Journey focuses on preparing business plans for a number of immigration applications, including intercompany transfers, startup visas, significant benefits, self-employed, PNPs, and so much more. Their main competitive advantages are reliability, responsiveness, and overall customer service, and I can attest to that. For those of you who don't yet know about Journey, ask your colleagues about them. They're amazing. Or even better, try out their work. You can visit their website at wwwj and mention you listened to my podcast with the code Journey 10 That's H-O-L-T-H-E-J-O-O-R-N-E-Y number 10. And that'll provide you with a 10% discount on your very first business plan for new lawyers. We're so grateful to have Journey Business Plans as the title sponsor of this podcast. All right, Igor, let's let's look at this realistically. How does someone not know that the Quet program is like? It, <laughs> you don't need to go through a tourist agency to access it. Like, how can people be duped? Has there has the the knowledge and understanding of? coming to Canada on this visitor vis has it not been so widespread amongst the Ukrainian community that, that people can identify that these tourist agencies selling these hot deals for free travel to Canada at no cost that that it's a scam
2: Well Mark it's uh, for some people it's just a matter of knowing English language. Some of those people have zero knowledge of English. when they come here they don't even know how to open bank account. How to get social insurance number how to find an accommodation like one day i was reached out by a guy and he was on his way to canada and a friend of mine told he told me like hey there's there's a guy he's in an airport can you help him out explain how to navigate around the city so i immediately agreed when i got on the phone with the guy it turned out he didn't have vaccinations he had russian sputnik COVID vaccine and he didn't have much money and he was flying into Canada without any idea of where he was destined to and I told him like hey you would need to quarantine and that was back in back in the days and he's like where do I quarantine and I'm like you book a hotel and he immediately asked me like how do I book a hotel where do I look for hotels and I'm like on booking.com and the guy was surprised he didn't even know how to type booking.com he didn't even know about this resource and so there are some people who have zero idea of where they're going to all they know is that they will have it all covered
0: that's a great response that's the one i was hoping you were going to give you know sometimes us being here in canada we see all of the media coverage and everything and the reality is that it's uh yeah it's it's not so easy if you don't speak the language so
1: yeah
2: all right yeah i will probably get tons of hate and unleash the wrath of Ukrainian community over me for putting Ukrainians in a bad light and um, I just want to explain I am myself Ukrainian and I sometimes feel ashamed as well of those people who are bad representatives of our country and I'm not saying that all of Ukrainians take advantage of this program use and abuse it in every possible way it's those few people who benefit from this program and take full advantage of it in the wrong way. There are lots of people who actually benefited from this program and without this program they would not have a chance of establishing themselves in Europe or any other country or staying in Ukraine. And so as you, Mark, mentioned from the criminal law maybe it is a good thing that you would allow 10 wrongdoers into Canada just for the sake of saving one person who needs help and actually deserves help
0: and in reality this is why we started the podcast everyone we did this for the specific reason to help bring awareness to these issues so that people are not exploited so that they can understand that these hot deals with the travel agency that's no cost to you um is you know there's something untoward about that and obviously, within our firm, we've created our own DIY course that you know allows people to file their own applications. But it's in English, and so individuals that have language barriers are the most susceptible for this. Um, and then you look at the the new entrepreneurs, I guess if we want to call them that, Igor, that come to Canada and then say, "Hey, I'm going to start offering a guaranteed Canadian visa for a fee." And then they have their compadres back in, uh, you know, in Ukraine or wherever that are, you know, that are hooking up the people and, you know, making connections. And who knows, maybe they're in Poland, maybe they're in other countries. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, how, what, what last final comments would you make to to warn people or advise people with respect to these types of, of shams?
2: Yeah, there are some, I would call them, entrepreneurs are not um, tourist agencies, who are not immigration consultants, not immigration lawyers, those entrepreneurs offer you to get a visa for a fee and even if you don't plan to come here, they say, hey, having a Canadian visa in your passport is very good because you can then apply for American visa and they will look at all of your visas that you have in your passport and they will more eagerly approve your next visa if you have a canadian one it's sort of like you know when you applied for schengen visa back in the days the more visas the more travel history you had the more compelling the evidence was to the officer that you will eventually leave schengen area same is with canada right now if you have a canadian visa the likelihood that your australian visa or us visa or visa to japan will be approved is much higher and so they say why don't you get a visa It's, it's going to cost you $50 and it's going to take one day of your time. You just send me the documents. I will fill everything up for you. You don't even need to create an account. I will do it all on my own account and you will guaranteed get a visa. And so think about it. You get a 10 year visa to Canada. You don't think of coming to Canada right now, but who knows what's going to happen in 10 years. And that was the initial term uh, of validity for Kuwait visas. They would issue a visa until the expiry of your passport or for 10 years, whichever is earlier. And so people would eagerly apply, and that would create a terrible backlog, terrible delays in processing of the application. So there is no surprise that we have almost 1 million applications, and only 190,000 people came to Canada. The rest, just wants to get visa just for the sake of it. And maybe they will come, but some did not even plan on coming
0: at all. So you can see, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But this is just part, you know, part two of our story, part two of this, uh, these uh, podcast episodes that we're doing on the Quet program. There are many people that are here that are really, really wanting to, to find a way to stay and there, where there's a desire to do that, there's these same scammers out there trying to take advantage of it and, and exploit them. So in future episodes, we are going to specifically address the real tangible options for people to talk about in detail the types of permanent resident pathways, talk about locations in Canada where it may be easier for someone. Let's say your language abilities are not as as good where some provincial nominee programs are less focused on, on high language and high human capital. Um, we're going to talk about those in future episodes. So let's, uh, yeah, so we'll wrap this up now, but thanks Igor for this little update. And, uh, yeah, it's, there, there are problems with the program. You know, we talked about the medical exam, um, not requiring those upfront, uh, the, that you didn't have to be physically present in Ukraine when the war broke out, when the invasion happened. Um, you know, there are some, obviously I'd see number three with, that we talked about with being able to include family members. It makes perfect sense why it's there. So it's not a problem, but there are abuses that exist within that process. And then last of all, same thing with the money, the $3,000 that's being provided. There are people that are exploiting it for improper purposes. And so it's all about shedding a light on it. And and we, I really appreciate your insight, Igor. And I look forward to talking with you about this in depth uh, as we break down some of the actual possibilities that exist, um, for permanent residents in Canada. Thanks, Igor. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, your trusted source for information on Canadian immigration law policy and practice. If you would like to book a legal consultation, please visit www.holtylaw.com. You can also find lots more helpful information on our Canadian Immigration Institute YouTube channel, where you can join Mark on one of his many Canadian Immigration Live Q&As. See you soon. And all the best as you navigate navigate this crazy world we call Canadian immigration
0: Okay, I think I succeeded.